Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to Nature Spirituality with Selena Fox. This is Selena Fox, and we are exploring spirits of place. What is a spirit of place but the spiritual dimension, the spiritual essence of a location? And one way of being able to connect with the spirit of place is to acknowledge that it exists, to do offerings, to envision and connect, to learn the history of the place, and to find ways that you can work with the spirit of the place where you are at. It could be your home or a place you're visiting to enhance your own spiritual life, but also, hopefully, the spiritual life of that location. Bless this place as sacred space. 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 So a chant such as that, using some incense, you can use to honor the place where you are at. And you can do the blessing of the place for sacred space, not just prior to doing a ritual or as part of a ritual that you're doing, But you may want to consider a place and its sacred dimensions as something that exists all the time and needs to be activated. The idea of working with a spiritual dimension of a location is quite ancient. It goes across cultures, it goes through time, and it's around the world. Different peoples have worked with spirit of place in a variety of ways. Amongst the ancient Romans, there was a particular term in Latin for spirit of place, the genius loci, or loci in Italian, which literally means spirit of place. And in ancient Roman pagan times, that spirit of place was seen as a kind of divinity. And certainly one can take that approach as you connect with the spirit of place where you are at. I'm going to share with you some of the spirits of places that I have worked with and also share some approaches to strengthening relationships, developing relationships with spirits of places and ways that you can incorporate this into your own spiritual practice. So let's begin with home, the place where your home is. And this chant, bless this place, this sacred space, is something that you can do as a home blessing rite. You might have a particular location in your home where you um, do rituals. You may have an altar. You may have a ceremonial room. Or you may want to do ritual work and spirit of place work throughout your home area. And this works whether your home is a house, whether it's an apartment, 
whether you own it or not, or it might be temporary lodging. Your home may be, while you are out on a vacation, a hotel or motel or a bed and breakfast, or you might be in a tent, an RV, or some kind of a camper. So the idea is connecting with the place that you're making your home, whether it's on an ongoing basis or a short-term basis. And the first thing to do is to recognize that there is a spiritual dimension to the place where you're at. It's not just backdrop such as in a theater set. It actually is an entity, a dimension that you can develop relationship with. One of the real powerful ways of developing a relationship with your home place is to do a ritual of honoring and then do a meditation to connect with the spirit of place and to get some guidance. You might find it helpful to have a focal point for making contact with the spirit of the place that is your home place. Some people may set up an altar, and it can be indoors or outdoors. If it's indoors, something some people do as part of their spirits of place work is to find some soil from the ground where your home is located, or you may want to get a rock. And I found this at our home place, and I really like it because it has some nodules of iron in it. And this not only connects me with the land as a whole, but because I have it on my home altar, it represents my connection with my home place. Now, some people consider an object that represents land or a home building as an earth element. And certainly, rocks and soil or whatever are things that are very linked with the earth. Um, but yet, I see that the spirit of place is actually more aligned with the fifth element, that is spirit or ether, as some people call it, um, or space in some traditions. And here you are connecting holistically with the location. Now, as you can connect with your location, have an opportunity where you work with all of your senses. You visually take in the beauty, the uniqueness of your home place, the land, the vegetation, the creatures, the structure. If you're in a structure, the house or the apartment or whatever is your lodging, Heart on that land, and then also pay attention to the sounds, work with all of your senses, not only visual, but listen to the sounds of the place. Listen and see, and then let your other senses come into play. What do you what do you feel? What's um, your sense of the aroma or aromas of the place? You might have some wonderful blooming plants and you at different times of year and you may associate that with your home place. We have lilies of the valley that bloom for a very short part of our springtime, when I think of scents that have to do with our place, that's one of those that comes to mind, as well as the soil that has been 
nurtured with a nurturing rain, um, herbs in the gardens. So it doesn't need to be just one predominant aroma. It may and probably is a whole range of things. Now, some people like adding different aromas to their spirit of place work, and incense is something that is a great for an offering, and it also is a way to create an atmosphere for ceremonial work through its sacred aromas. Taste, touch, all the different senses experiencing your home place in that way. But what really gets to the heart of spirit of place is being able to sense it in its entirety, the actual holistic perception, which not only includes the physical senses, but your intuitive sense of your place. You may find that if you've been at your home for a while, that you have memories all woven into that sensing of place. And often there is a sense of comfort that happens as you settle into a place, you make it your home. And by being tuned in to that resonance of the place, you not only enhance your relationship and your perception, but should there be something amiss, you are most likely to get that intuitively first, even before any of the other senses kick in. So having a good connection with your home place through all of your senses, the five senses and your psychic or intuitive ways of perception is really a way to learn and to bond and to continue your awareness. In addition to working with your senses, Work with your intellect and do some research on your home place. Get some maps out. Go to the local library or go online. What's a bit about the history of the region or the neighborhood, the locale where your home place is located? And in addition to learning a bit about what was there before you came upon it, uh, you may want to do some meditative work to actually do inner journeys and to explore your place across time. One of my favorite ways of doing this is to find a comfortable place to sit or lay down and then to imagine one's consciousness going down deeper and deeper through the floor, down into the earth, and going into the depths of the planet, your connection with planet Earth as a whole. And you may have some impressions that come to you. What kind of rock might be down at a bedrock level? Um, what might be its roots? that go back into times before even humans were at your particular location. So there is wonderful ways that you can travel through imagination, but I also encourage you to work with your mind in a fact-finding way. One way of doing that is being able to look at local histories and some maps of local histories. Some uh, local museums actually have photographs of particular areas across time. And you may have, if you own your own home, your own land, chances are there's an abstract with and a whole piece 
um, that talks about the various owners that predated you. And I find it really fascinating to be able to look at land records and to get some insight through that. Another way of learning about your local area is to talk with people who have been in your local area longer than you. Um, and there often are some local historians or there, if you are in the U.S. and in the U.S.A., most states have some type of state historical society that not only has records about the state as a whole, but may have local histories. So why am I emphasizing taking an intellectual look as well as an intuitive one? Well, the more that you know about your home place, the more you can bond with it and work with it. I also think reaching out to your county extension agent, if you're in the USA, and I do think other countries have the equivalent, but they're called something else, essentially those who really know particular areas and the environment, um, that is another way of looking into dimensions of your home place. As you do work with your home place, if you have not done so already, you may want to give your name, uh, name to your home or work with the essence of your home and let a name come to you. And try it out for a time. If you are living with others, then obviously it would be good to have a consensus around naming your place. Some people like to create some type of artwork with the name of the place. It might be carved or painted on a wooden sign, or it might be a piece of artwork with watercolors or paints of some kind where the name is incorporated in along with the image of the land and the structure where you are at. Why do I suggest a name for your place? And even if you keep that as a more private thing, it's a way for you to strengthen your connection with the spirits of place associated with that location. Now, I sometimes talk about spirit of place or spirits of place. Spirit of place is the place essence. Spirits of place can be extended out not only to connect with the essence of the place, but some of the dimensions of that place. Who are the ones that once dwelled on the property where you now are living or that's your home right now? You might call them the ancient ones, especially if they dwelled on the land long, long ago. And even though they are no longer alive, and incarnate, in a spiritual sense, they have contributed to the energy of the place where you are at. So being able to honor the ancient ones. In many parts of the USA, prior to European contact, there were a variety of different tribes, nations, and in more recent times, as a way of acknowledging those ancient ones, there have been some maps created and more widely disseminated that actually give the names of some of the peoples that once had that as their territory. And in some traditions, a way of honoring the spirit of place is to also honor the spirits of those that once dwelled there or considered the area their territory. 
in more recent years, I have gone to using the term ancient ones because it not only includes those who are in historical record of having a connection with the place, but it goes back before then. And not only includes humans, but the spiritual forces that the humans were connected with. In addition to connecting with those who have gone before at your home place, another dimension of spirit of place is the realm of nature spirits. And what is a nature spirit? But spiritual essences of different forms of life. So plant spirits, or some people call them green spirits, vegetation spirits. And these are not only the spirits of various trees, individual trees, that may be on and around where your home place is, but all sorts of vegetation. There's most likely some kind of grass or ground cover. There may be a variety of different shrubs and herbs. There may be annuals and perennials. Being able to connect with those green spirits as part of your way of understanding spirit of place can be really fabulous. It strengthens your connection with the green world, and it enhances your understanding of spirit of place. In addition to the green spirits, the creature spirits. What animals, insects, birds, rodents, mammals, different types of creatures live in and around your home area, visit it, and indeed, uh, migrating birds are something that I've become very aware of since being at the home place where I am now. I live in a forest in southwestern Wisconsin, USA, and there are birds that are living here along with me. I see myself as living in the forest, and yes, it's my forest home, but there are other beings that are living in the forest as well. And in addition to the, the birds that are living pretty much year-round here and the other creatures, there are visitors that happen. And I know that spring is on its way when the eastern bluebirds start appearing and the red-winged blackbirds and other migrating birds. So as you consider spirit a place of your home place, be sure to include your connections with different spiritual forces that are part of the community of life at your home place. And of course, there are the elements, the earth, the soil, rock, the air, the air that you breathe, the winds and breezes, the fire, the energy, what sources of energy, of course, sunshine, solar power, whether you actually are using solar energy to um, power various devices or not, the sun is a kind of fire that is part of our elemental connection with spirit of place. And water, water that's in the atmosphere, water that's in the ground, water that is the aquifer from which the water that comes into your home place comes from. We uh, live out in an area that is very hilly and forested, and we have our own well. And one of the things that I worked with as we were having our home constructed and a well put in was calling to the spirit of place and the element of water and the element of earth 
for it's the ground where the water is flowing through and actually worked with all the elements as well as the spirit of place as our well came into being. And even if you are at a place where you don't have your own well, you still are tapping into water in some way. And water that not only comes from the sky upon our home places, but water that we bring into our homes and water that comes in through whatever our plumbing situation may be. I think it's important as we connect with spirit of place to acknowledge that that is part of the pantheon of spiritual forces that make up our lives. And in addition to calling on earth, air, fire, water, and spirit, the five elements in a personal and household ritual, I'd encourage you to also name and invoke, honor the spirit of place where you are at, be it your home place or if you happen to be doing a ritual at another location, to honor that as well, to be in harmony with the spirit of place. Another thing that you may find a helpful way to bond with your spirit of place is by having a area, an area where you can do offerings. Now, you may want an indoor place as well as an outdoor place to make your connection with the spirit of place. And what are some examples of offerings? You may have some water or some herbal tea you've made and do a libation pour some of that onto the land as a way of expressing appreciation. Um, You may want to actually bury a crystal or put some type of sacred stone offerings in a location that represents your connection with spirit of place. You may want to burn some incense. You may want to kindle some candles. Um, We have an outdoor fire area as well as um, nearby we have a spring that is right down the hill, and there's trees all around us, and these all are areas where I can connect with the area as a whole as well as specific forces in particular. If you haven't done any journal writing with your spirit of place, I invite you to consider doing that. And some suggestions for how to have a spirit of place journal. You may want to create your own book and write the story of you coming to be at that home place. How did you discover it? How were you, maybe it was a place you grew up in and now you are the owner? Or it might be something that you had a need to be in that particular region. Set down the story of your place, your home place. And then as you do home blessing rituals, make a note of that. As you have guests come and visit, you may want them to sign a guest book or you may want to have a section of your Spirit of Place journal where you make note of the different events that you have at your place. Now, some people have so much human activity at their home place, it would be very much a hardship to try to note everybody that's coming and going and that type of thing. So an additional or a different way of doing journaling is taking some photographs. And with so many smartphones having a photographic and video option, this can be a wonderful way 
of chronicling your home place through time. In addition to doing some journaling, scrapbooking, um, some photography and videos as part of the way of documenting your home place, you may want to pick a time. It can be every month, full moon, and when I'm doing this podcast, it is a full moon night, um, or it might be at sunrise on a particular day. It may be the day, anniversary date, if you've bought a location, a home, it might be the anniversary date of when you um, began caring for that place and owning that place, Um, having some kind of ritual that you do to assess and connect, to celebrate, to honor the place that you are at. Now, for some people, uh, they do a home blessing as a kind of rite for that, assessing how the home is, and then what might be needed. Is there a particular area that needs to be cleared, um, blessed in certain ways? If you're adding to a structure, you're putting an addition onto a house, well, you may want to do a particular ceremony to bless that process, to celebrate and acknowledge that addition. If you have people um, adding themselves to your household, and this could be um, a newborn human, or in the case of creatures, because those companion animals that are part of our home are part of our home place as well. You may want to have a celebration and acknowledgement of your home community, your household changing in some ways, getting larger, or if someone's going off, moving away, a farewell for that. So the home place is a really good place to begin with your explorations with spirit of place as part of spiritual practice. Some of the same things that apply for your own home place can apply to other locations where you do spirit of place work. One of the things that I do as part of my priestess work and ministry are rites of passage. And some of those rites of passage include doing weddings. Well, having a wedding, especially an outdoor wedding. I do both indoor and outdoor weddings, and some that actually have both elements combined. Um, I like to get to the place early enough so that I not only can get some information about the place, but I get a feel for the place as well. One of the things about wedding rehearsals, it's not just um, tracking the script and how that unfolds and um, what happens when and who stands where and all of those details, but getting a sense of what the space is like prior to doing the ritual. What are the sounds? What are the sights? What are the aromas? What are the sensations? Um, Taste, all the senses and What's the vibe of the place? What's the intuitive energy of the place? If you're there sufficiently in advance and some adjustments need to be made, well, then you have that option. When I uh, do a ceremony, whether it is an official part of the ceremony or not, as part of my preparation, I spend time connecting with the place, and sometimes it's a matter of just finding a place where I can sit, where I'm not observed and hit up with stuff, and just sit quietly and invite the spirit of the place to connect with me, to bring me information, and I honor the place. I'm often that honoring of the place is incorporated in some way during the ceremony itself, whether it's 
verbally mentioned or not. There may be a circumambulation, walking in a circle around the space as a way of attuning to it and inviting that power to come in and be part of the blessing. Another thing about passage rites is it marks a life transition. And one can really enhance a passage rite by doing some advanced planning with the spirit of place learn a bit about the history, learn about the protocols for the place, and there may be some cultural underpinnings of the region that you can incorporate within the ceremonies that you do or that are part of. Um, one particular passage, right, that of end of life, I'd like to share a bit about spirit of place with that. As a person is crossing over, is leaving this life, this incarnation, and moving into the other world, there are some old folk customs that have been connected with spirit of place as a life transits from one incarnation to the other world. And part of that has involved the tradition, as one is dying, of covering reflective surfaces. And this can take the form of taking a cloth and putting it over a mirror. Um, it may be turning mirrors over if they're hand mirrors. And another tradition is to actually open a window in the room where the person is in the final stages of life. In some traditions, there's also the kindling of one or more candles around the body of the one who is dying and passing into the other world as a way of creating a portal into the other world, acknowledging that transition that is happening. Um, some will kindle some incense as part of that process. As with other rites of passage, I like working with all five elements, earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. And with earth, a symbol of earth, Usually it's salt or something um, that it could be a dish of soil or whatever uh, that represents the earth part. Incense might be a feather or it might be for air, a stick of incense. Or in places where you can't kindle incense, um, if the place where one is crossing over is in an institutional setting, a hospice or a hospital, then one can get creative and put some um, essential oil on a fan and move that fan back and forth as a way of putting some fragrance in the air. For fire, a candle, it can be battery operated or actually lit. Water, a dish or a cup of water. For spirit, I often work with a crystal and do a blessing on the one who is crossing over. And then once the crossing over has happened, a blessing of the actual location to help dispel any residue of that soul who's making the journey into the other world. When there has been a traumatic death, I think it's really important to work with the spirit of place and other spiritual forces as a way of helping the soul cross over and to cleanse and bless the place. And that's a whole other workshop. Um, and I actually have some podcasts on home blessing if you're interested in more information about that. 
So that way you're working with the elements and you're working with the location and honoring that and doing your best to have a different energy start emerging in the aftermath of a death. And a death can be peaceful or it may be a difficult or violent death. One of the difficult things that have happened um, in over time is when lives are taken, when there's been a place of mass tragedy, whether it's some kind of natural disaster or it's gun violence or some other horrific thing, that it may take quite a bit of spiritual work and generally group activity to return a place to a more peaceful um, existence if some kind of traumatic situation has happened with loss of life. So working with spirit of place um, is not always mentioned as people are learning about dealing with the aftermath of a trauma, but I have found it really helpful. And to draw on some of the strength that may be inherent within that region that could bring some healing and blessings to the area and to those who are there. And now that we're talking, I guess, death and how that can impact spirit of place, well, there's a particular kind of home for the dead, a cemetery that is a, its own kind of place. And if you're working with the spirit of place of a cemetery, a mausoleum, or some other home for the dead, it's important to educate yourself on the protocols connected with that place and also be aware that in addition to the overall spirit of the place itself, there are all sorts of sites in the cemetery where remains or memorial stones or other tokens of remembrance are located. And there may be a lot of diversity in terms of spirits of the dead that are connected with the spirit of place of a cemetery. So it's important to learn about protocols, learn about the history, and if you are not yet skilled in working with that form of spiritual practice of connecting with the dead, is to have somebody with you that has some skills in that area, or if that's not possible, then to err on the side of caution rather than assuming that um, because you're there and you have a will for something that it's all going to work out well. Uh, cemeteries are more complicated places to connect with the spirit of place because this is an area where people have some happy memories that come up, but there's a lot of grief at a cemetery. So I do think it's important to pay respects to the cemetery as a whole, and if you're visiting the resting place of the remains of a loved one, and it could be a columbarium, which is where ashes are put, or it may be a crypt or a mausoleum or it may be a grave site with a grave marker. There's different places where bodily remains are put or a life is memorialized in a cemetery. So if you're going to be going and paying respects, let's say, to an ancestor, then I, my recommendation is before you even go to the cemetery, learn a bit about the cemetery and prior to even going, honor the spirit of the cemetery and invite it to work with you as you go and visit. And then once you've arrived, to honor the space as a whole. Now, one way that some people like 
to honor a place that they're visiting and they're connecting with spirit of place is to pause at the threshold. That may not be pragmatic if it's a large cemetery. Uh, You may not be able to just stand at the gate or to park your car at the gate for a few moments, but at least as you're passing through the threshold, you can do your acknowledgement of honoring the space as a whole. And then when you go to the actual grave site, there you can, as an addition, pay respects for the one whose remembrance is there, and then give thanks. And it's very traditional to leave some kind of an offering at a gravesite that you're visiting at a cemetery. If you are visiting a cemetery and you don't have a personal connection through an ancestor or a friend or family member with remains there, often there is some place at the cemetery, it might be the cemetery office or it might be a memorial garden, where you can go and just be for a few moments. And one very acceptable way of doing offering is by um, doing a song or a prayer or a chant, um, some words of respect and reflection. It doesn't have to be audible. You can do it in your imagination. So there is another example of a type of place where you can have benefit by working with spirit of place. Now I'd like to conclude our time by talking about sacred sites, public sacred sites, private sacred sites, sacred sites that are cared for by others. If you are going to a public sacred site, it's very important that you learn the protocols, the visitor rules, the times, um, the days and times it's available, what you can and cannot bring to the site and do at that site. And please respect the protocols. Some people have a sense that if they go to a sacred site with good intentions to honor that site, that it is permitted and even welcomed to leave some offerings at that site. Not all the time is that appreciated and welcome, especially if it's an ancient site that's an archeological site and research is still being done there. Now, some old sites, and I, I love going to various types of sacred sites and to really connect with the spirit of place at an ancient sacred site that's still being used. A number of years ago, I visited a sacred site called the Witch Tree near, um, at a point, had point on Lake Superior. I was aware that this ancient cedar tree was something that not only was a focal point for that particular sacred site. It was kind of the star of the sacred site called the witch tree. And even with European contact, those who were in the area that were interfacing with the indigenous people, it was a tradition that you leave an offering at the base of the tree before you set out across the Great Water, across Lake Superior. And here's an example of a sacred site that had a tree that was a living representation of the spirit of place. And I'm happy to report that of the tradition of leaving offerings there, it not only was permitted but appreciated, and I was very thankful to be able to go there. My own connection with that site ended up um, having an additional uh, dimension to it when I learned at our largest gathering of the year called the Pagan Spirit Gathering, it's a week-long celebration of summer solstice, 
And someone came to our gathering and let us know that the land upon which the witch tree was and the witch tree itself, uh, there were people who were selling it, and it had actually been in native hands for hundreds of years. And our community, as well as many other people, took up a collection, and the good news is the witch tree and that land was gifted back to the native peoples in that area and is continuing to be used as a sacred site in the manner that it was long before European contact. And I do think we need to be aware that when we're working with a sacred site, one that's been used for repeated religious activity over time, that there is an energy that builds up there a kind of reservoir of energy. We need to be respectful of that as well as respectful of the protocols connected with that place now and, and in the past if it's a living um, sacred site. Some sacred sites where archaeological work is being done um, have a protocol that you're not to leave any physical offerings, um, such as crystals and coins and things like that. And part of that is not wanting to interfere with the, any excavation or other research that's being done, not to complicate the site um, itself. Uh, there are so many public sacred sites that are now World Heritage Sites. Certainly Stonehenge and Avery are some of the most well-known of the ancient stone circles that exist. But there are many types of ceremonial places that are now publicly available. It depends on the caretakers of the site as to whether religious activity can happen there. And I am very glad when Stonehenge was reopened to ceremonies, when I visited it back in the 1990s, there was still a process in place trying to get it open for at least the solstices. And I'm really glad English Heritage has worked out an arrangement for that to happen. That said, that if you're part of a mass gathering at a sacred site, be it Stonehenge or some other place, be respectful and do not litter. This may sound really obvious, but unfortunately, not everyone going to a grand celebration to a place is really conscious and respectful of what they do with their garbage. So I like to be aware of what the rules are, abide by them, and if I find myself at a sacred site and I see any trash on the ground, part of my practice is to pick it up and dispose of it. To me, that is part of a way of respecting a site and, and and honoring it as a sacred space. Now, some sacred sites are private sites, and indeed the witch tree went from being a public site. Um, people owned it, but it was pretty much open to whoever went, um, to being in private hands again. If it's a private site, chances are you'll need to get permission and make arrangements to go there. Some private sites are owned by parks and some by foundations and other entities. Some are privately owned. Uh, there is a series of mounds west of where Circle Sanctuary is located. And for many years, it, these effigy mounds and conical mounds and um, linear mounds were in the hands of a private citizen. As he um, was in the final parts of his life, he actually 
worked with some other people to set up a place and a way to be able to keep that land protected. And I am so thankful that that happened. And I'm very thankful to have been part of a series of ceremonies held while he was alive and since. Um, he crossed over and now it's in the hands of an organization that's caring for it. So as you think about spirit of place, actually every location have a, has its own kind of spirit. And just as humans have vibes, well, places have vibes. And it's really good to be aware that not only can you sense vibes, but chances are you're making a connection with the spirit of place. Find ways to listen, to reflect, to connect, and respect all types of spirit of places. And I'm so thankful for all of you who have joined me live and those who will be tuning in later, either through this podcast audio at CSNT, Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, and those who are watching via Facebook Live, my Selena Fox Updates Facebook page. So what are some things to keep in mind with Spirit of Place? It's a wonderful thing to add to spiritual practice, to acknowledge, to learn about, to connect with, to honor, to work with Spirits of Places. And it's good to recognize that in so doing, you are part of a large number of humans from different cultures and spiritual traditions that acknowledge that places have a spirit and a spirit that can bring useful information, a spirit that can be worked with. And I invite you, as you um, conclude your time together with me, is to take a few moments right now and honor the place where you are at in a way that works for you. Spirit of place, we call to you. Spirit of place, we honor you. Spirit of place, we thank you. So I invite you to share any feedback you have on this uh, podcast. Spirit of Place um, in the comments section, or if you prefer, you can send me feedback directly by email, selena at circlesanctuary.org. I give thanks to the Spirit of Place that is my home. I give thanks to the Spirit of Place that is Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve, which is the headquarters for Circle Sanctuary International Nature Spirituality Church that brings you this and other podcasts on our Internet radio network. And I give thanks to planet Earth, our home. Yes, you can connect with the spirit of place for the whole planet. And I think it is really essential that as we become more aware of our environment, that we find ourselves being part of caretaking and respect instead of the problematic piece, especially for the planet, be part of the solution 
for a healthier planet instead of the pollution. Thank you all for tuning in. For more information about Circle Sanctuary, you can find us on the web, circlesanctuary.org. And we're also on social media. We have a membership program, so if you are enjoying this and or other podcasts, a way to help us is to actually join as a member, and there's more information about that at the Circle Sanctuary website. And I am doing a whole series of workshops this month, and you can get more information on Facebook at CSN Podcast. Like and follow our CSNP um, podcast page, and you'll find information not only about podcasts I'm doing, but all of our podcasts. And you also can get that information at the circlesanctuary.org website. And you can connect with me on and Circle Sanctuary. We both have YouTube channels, and I'm on Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. Thank you all for joining in. And for those of you celebrating the full moon tonight, bright blessings. Many thanks.
Sanctuary Network Podcasts, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connecting the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.